What's up, wrestling fans? Ah, that's right, it's that time of the week where them boys from 607 Podcast talk all things pro wrestling. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 T.W.S. Of course, we are coming to you from not the 8122 Production Studios. Instead, from the ODPH Podcast Dungeon. It sounds a lot better to know. It's like Stu Hart's Dungeon. I'm okay with that. Only for podcasting. Yes. I think that's the new name for this. So the ODPH Podcast Dungeon. The place where wrestling gets real. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Oh, man. I'm tagging it all in there right now. We're, We're selling. We're selling early on. Ladies and gentlemen... I'm one of your hosts here on 607TWS. I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. That's right, my name is Rich. Joining me as he does each and every week in the co-host chair here on 607TWS. But you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Are we ready to talk some pro wrestling? Ah, man, I, I am pumped. I'm jacked. It's been a hell of a weekend for pro wrestling. And if you're a pro wrestling fan, I'm sure you have very muchly liked this weekend. Yes. Uh, with that being said, though, Ken, how has been this crazy weekend for you? you got, have you gotten enough sleep? Have you gotten enough hydration? Have you gotten enough, uh, you know, sun even? Coffee is my friend. Sunlight is not. So <laughs> we've been uh, grinding, doing a lot of big things this week for the ODPH and 607TWS. So it's been a fun time, though. But yes, thank God for coffee. Uh, I can hear you there. Of course. The big elephant in the room here is we are not live on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. Instead, we're coming to you in podcast form. So let's just break it off. Let's just go. A little bit of news for 607 TWS. For the near future, due to the recent events in the wrestling world, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if unless you've been living under a rock, you understand the climate has changed a little bit in the pro wrestling world. So for the foreseeable future, we are not going to be live on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast for 607 TWS on Mondays anymore uh, until we either figure out a better day. Or until, you know, it implodes and WWE goes back to being shit. Yes. I just don't think that the numbers are going to go up be- because the people are going to be tuning into Raw. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was it was a good decision by both of us. The numbers on the podcast are up. You guys can listen to the podcast anytime. We are going to focus our energy on the content, on everything we're doing. And we're going to focus that content for the podcast. And then there will be a triumphant return. We did something last night, though, as we're recording on a Sunday here, just a be clear. Mm-hmm. We did something last night, and that was we did our first of what is probably going to be something normal now, after show. We did the SummerSlam 2022 after show. If you want to hear our takes about SummerSlam, look it up, 607TWS, wherever you get podcasts. It's also going to be on, it's also still up, sorry, on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. So go ahead, watch it there or listen to it either way. So we will not be talking about SummerSlam on the show because we've already done that. Right. We will, if there's any news or notes that we're going to bump into, that, that we'll do that. But outside of that, we're not going to talk about SummerSlam on the show. We already did that. Go back and listen to that. It's an enjoyable ride. If I say so myself. Deep dive right after, literally mere moments after it ended, we were reviewing it. Mm-hmm. So going forward, make sure wherever you get great podcasts. Now, if we are not on the podcast provider you use, which we are on most, we are going to be updating some things anyways. So let us know. We will make sure the 607 TWS, TWS is there. Sorry. Easy for you to say. But until then, until further notice, we are going to be just doing the podcast form and doing 
live uh, after shows for the big shows. Yep. And maybe sometimes a watch along or two along the way, whether it's older product or newer product. This is going to free us up to do a little more different things, but competing with World Wrestling Entertainment when it seems like the groundswell is there. I don't think it's a smart idea. Your thoughts on all the, what's going on with us? No, Ken. I mean, we've been hit, listening to a lot of the feedback from the 607 TWS audience, and everybody was saying with the Triple H regime taking over, Monday nights are now must-watch TV, and we fully agree. We're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the game and the company over there. So we said, all right, what is the best way to still do the show like we do it without sacrificing anything else? So we're just going to do it in the podcast form for right now. But we also felt that with the Twitch streams, we've had people say we really missed the live watch-alongs. We really missed that instant feedback when those events happen. So that's why we decided to transition to we'll do the live post shows after the pay-per-views on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. And if something else comes up in the meantime that we need to jump on and do a live stream, that's where we're going to go with it for. Absolutely. Uh, so with that business out of the way, let's talk about the business of this show ahead of us. Uh, this week in the main event slot, we will actually be talking about Ric Flair's retirement match event. Yes. That is going down. Uh, as we record, we're going to be listen, watching that and coming back. The the magic of editing. I'm giving you the complete peek behind the behind, curtain this behind week. Behind the curtain right now. So that will be in the main event slot of the show. We're going to have a reaction to what we see there. It's got a stacked undercard. I'm not even sold on the main card. Biggest thing I'm sold on is to find out if GCW invades. Secondly, in the mid-card, we are going to be going over GCW's latest event, People versus GCW, going down from Nashville. We're going to talk about that, and we're also going to give you the update for the New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 32. But in the opening contest, in a moment, we are going to be talking a wrestling news from around the wrestling world. Before we get there, though, Ken M., Tell the fine folks how to find you and the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Check out Parlay Points. A new blog's Count Anywhere is out right now talking a little AEW, talking Glory Pro Wrestling, talking a little Major League Wrestling, too. So there's always some cool things going on there that we don't get the chance to really deep dive into on the show. The T Public Store, which is having a great sale uh, up to Sunday, so Penn, you probably missed it on this time around, but it is never a bad time to go get some ODPH swag, and I tell you what, this weekend was a very, very big one, so thank you to everybody who swung by and picked up some stuff. All of that, the directory, the classified section where you find at 3FN Podcast and all our friends, so much more is all at odphpodcast.com. Like it, like it, like it. Of course, if you're looking for the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. All the information is there. Uh, social media stuff is there. Also, RT Public Store is there. Uh, the link to the Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast is there. Of course, for as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content. Help support everything we do here. Also, uh, there's the link to the Twitch channel. There's the link of friends of the show, like the ODPH, like our good friend Sci-Fi Horror Fest, going down on August 26th and 27th in Vernon, New York, at the Vernon Downs Casino. Make sure you check out ticket information at scifihorrorfest.com. And, of course, there's bands of the show, like our good friends Floodlands, who do the intro to this show each and every week. Also, there's a section for shout-outs for the people who help us bring this show to you each and every week, commercial-free, our local sponsors, if you will. Of course, starting with Dragon Master Games. Uh, make sure for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, you visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. Also, our good friends at Rex, Two Raws, Auto Detailing. Yes. With that being said, though, that is all the business we have to take care of on our end. Now, uh, Ken M, I do believe uh, it's time to check your watch because it's time! 
That's right. It's time to kick off this week's edition of 607 TWS with some wrestling news. Of course, like I said, we if you want to listen to what we thought about SummerSlam, there is a whole separate podcast that it's entitled 607 TWS Presents the Summer, WWE SummerSlam 2022 After Show. Make sure you check that out on twitch.tv slash 607podcast or wherever you get great podcasts by searching 607TWS. But, but, ladies and gentlemen... We have some other stuff, other business to talk about because, once again, it's been a huge week in news for World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm -hmm. And by proxy, by proxy, it's been a huge week for wrestling in general. And there's a lot of people thinking a lot of things because of everything going down. However, this is affecting one Tony Khan in all elite wrestling. First of all, Tony Khan hit the news waves this week. (laughs) By and I'm not going to dive into this too much because this was from Fightful Select. Shout outs to Sean Ross Sapp, if you will. Uh, he, during an interview with them, he alluded to the fact that he doesn't think the Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are more open to work with AEW than Vince McMahon was. Uh, Ken, what what is what are your thoughts about that? Of course, they're not open to work with it. They're they're focused on doing their own brand. I, for them to go and work with AEW, I guess they got to look at it and see how is it beneficial to them. And I honestly think right now. That door is closed, proverbially, and they are just really focused on getting their own ship up and running and setting that example that they want to do for the next regime. This is why I can't take this man seriously. Mm -hmm. I've said this before. I know I catch shit sometimes on the internet from people about this. I I know some of our fans who even like what we talk about give me shit about this. This is why I can't take this man seriously. Why? Why on earth would you think that your competition, that you call, you call your competition, is going to help you out? And do a crossover with you. Yeah. First of all, they have more viewers. They have more money. They have more exposure. They are the machine. So where does it benefit them to do any work with you? It only benefits you. So like if Roman Reigns shows up on an AEW event, oh, even though he's repping WWE, people are going to tune in. Be monumental. Be the highest dynamite ever. But if Kenny Omega shows up to WWE, it's not the same. And it's not shitting on Kenny Omega. Right. It's just saying one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, and plus with Triple H and obviously how everything kind of unfolded with the quote unquote petty tweet, in my opinion, that why would they want to do business? That's no. that's the whole situation right now. That their goal right now is to become the best brand they can. So trying to help out anybody else right now uh, that they feel is competition, they're, they're not going to want to. That doesn't make any damn sense. So sticking with Fightful for a minute, Fightful. Uh also reported this week that former WWE slash NXT stars believe that had Triple H been in charge of the company sooner, they may potentially still be with the company, leading to increasing speculation amongst fans that some stars may be considering their futures. Uh, Before we go into what Tony Khan said about this, because he did make a statement about this, what do you think about that news report? I, when I heard it, it was the classic for us of, and in other news, water is wet. Yeah. Because I really do feel like if Triple H was in charge of talent relations and creative when a lot of people's contracts were up, I don't think we would have saw them move. I don't think that this is like a news-breaking story. Not not a shot on SRS. I think he did a great job of reporting Mm -hmm. it. And for those people who put the words in his mouth that he said that they would would go back now, that was not said. That was never said. He said, they said, if when their contracts were being negotiated and they decided to leave, if Triple H was in charge, they may have stayed. It had nothing to do with now. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I'm crystal clear. It was all past tense. A lot of people, yeah. a lot of people put words in his mouth. I'm sure there's some people who would like to go back now. But with that being said, mm-hmm. 
I thought this was Waters. What What did you feel about that, that, that report, if you will? Exactly the same thing. I thought SRS did not do any bad reporting here. I thought he was spot on with what he said because this was all past tense, that if Triple H was in charge when certain talent was with the WWE, would they have stayed? That's an honest statement. Nobody has said, I want out now. I have not heard any public comments saying that right now. No, I agree with you. So I think that for anybody that was shocked by this news, really? How could you be shocked? Look at the reaction that Triple H has gotten from the NXT talent that has left and gone to any or AEW. Mm-hmm. So this is not a surprise that some talent was said probably, you know, if he was there, I might have stayed. Sure. We don't know. Well, Tony Khan made uh, what is now becoming a somewhat normal appearance on Busted Open Radio this past Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's become this new thing. I think it's him shill, baby shill, but whatever. Sure. Do you, boo-boo. Yeah. I'm not even mad about it. No, no. I, for anybody who thinks I'm mad about it, hey, she got shill, we got a shill, right? Mm-hmm. So when he was on there, that topic got brought up. The Sean Ross Sat report got brought up. And instead of answering it or bypassing it, which is something I would have done, because I would have acted like, oh, I, I don't think anybody's unhappy here. I don't think anybody's whatever. Even if it's lying, it doesn't yeah. matter, right? Because we know Jonathan Gresham isn't. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's a whole other ball game. Yeah, that's, a, that's a different ball waxer. So... I, I would have just kind of deflected. Instead, Tony Khan went to a long diatribe. And for our good friend JVD, who I know is an avid listener, I'm going to try my best to do this in Tony Con- <laughs> in my Tony Khan voice. Uh, but bear with me. There's a lot of changes in pro wrestling. I think it's going to be really positive for the fans overall. I am a little amused that changes in the competition. People think it's going to magically change the landscape. Some of these accounts, Twitter can be a fun place to follow, but some of the narratives I've seen every day for the last week are really amusing to me. I've got people signed here for five years, and people think that just because the CEO, chairman, head of creative, those people changed in the competition, people I have five-year contracts with are going to magically switch teams. Good luck with that. Adam Cole signed until 2027. Now, I wouldn't expect to see him going anywhere anytime soon. Malachi Black has almost five years left on his deal. I wouldn't expect him going anywhere anytime soon. Just because these guys had some success under a previous administration somewhere else, they are not magically going to be going anywhere. Those are two people I like, just as examples of people who have worked under the previous administration. I'm very amused by that. That's a narrative. I see so-called wrestling writers pushing every day. It's pretty amusing. Listen, <laughs> I would just play the audio, but God knows that would get shot down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so here's my problem with this. He sounds, and I know that I do the voice ridiculous on purpose. It's for entertainment. Calm, sure. your, calm your jets, the people who get offended by it. Right. And they're not even offended. You're just outraged that I'm making fun of him. But it's because the cocaine's real. By the way, all those stutters and shit that I put in there and all that is because it made no fucking sense because literally there's words together that don't mean anything. And I, what, what I mean by that is like earlier in the statement, like back here, which really was harder. People think it's going to magically change the landscape. Some of these accounts, Twitter can be a fun place to follow. But some of the narratives I've seen every day for last week are really amusing to me. Like it does, it's like four thoughts at once. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he just he gets he's not the best public speaker, in my opinion. Lay off the coke. That's just allegedly, my that's allegedly, 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 yeah, allegedly, allegedly. Sorry, yeah, give the alleged. Uh, but anyways, so I get what he's saying as a businessman. By the way, I do. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a more professional way to say it, but I get it. I get the fact that, hey, listen, you can fantasy book whatever the fuck you want. Reality is I have contracts with people. 
And I'm not going to let them out of their contracts. I'm holding them hostage. <laughs> and, and that's fine. It's his right to do. Sure. And that's not even me shitting on him. Because it's anybody's right. I've said it before. I've said it for WWE. You know, when the free Ali stuff came up, I'm like, hey, listen, he's the one who signed his name to a contract. What that contract says is he has to follow it. And if they choose to enforce said contract and not release him from said contract, that is their deal as a business. Mm. Same thing goes for Tony Khan. If he chooses, even if, let's say Adam Cole was unhappy, which there's no reports of, so don't say we're reporting it. Right. But even if Adam Cole was unhappy and Tony Khan says, nah, tough shit, I got you under contract till 2027, bud. Like, that's it. I respect that. And everybody else should too. Mm-hmm. It's not let our people go. Kumbaya. It's none of that shit. It's just literally, this is business. These guys should have maybe thought about not signing five-year contracts. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole thing about it is if, if I was Tony, I wouldn't have just completely dodged that question. I mean, you don't even need to address it. Like, why why give gas to that internet fire and keep other people warm with it? Like, that's the whole thing with it. Like, you, all he should have done is said, yeah, we have people under contract. Our brand is going to be, you know, continue to grow. We understand that, you know, that is a rumor, but sure. But, you know, this is a fact. This is reality. We have contracted wrestlers that are happy to be here, and they're featured on our programming, and we can't wait to put on the next best Dynamite or Rampage or whatever the next program was going to be. Why feed into that, let alone you're starting to name drop people that I I did not hear anything personally saying anything about? It was all allegedly's. So why are you stirring that up? Like, that just that, to me, that just reads as just not getting the temp in the room. I agree with you. I will say this. If he did want to address it, he should have addressed it in a different form, yep, in my opinion. Completely. Once again, there's a professional way to do th- something, and there's a passion way. This is, you can tell he was angered by the, the insinuation oh, sure. yeah. that people were going to leave him and go somewhere else. He very jealous boyfriend. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Most businessmen are. But a lot of them would have portrayed it a little differently. Like, what he should have said, in my opinion, once again, take it for what it's worth. I'm not him. What he should have said is, hey, listen, I hear the rumors. The fact of the matter is this. There's contracts they exist. Everybody here has a contract. If when their contract's up, they would like to uh, see if the, the grass is greener on the other side and go go back to where they think the grass might be greener, that's fine. They have that ability. However, I can promise you this. In our company, our grass is the greenest. There is a reason why they left the other grass. And if they if they so choose to go back to that old grass... That's on them, but they should already know how that's going to end. Whereas here, we're offering them the best grass in the business. Mm-hmm. And left it at that. Sounds super professional. Not only that, you're talking about grass. Yeah. And and, and just like that, this is why he should hire me as his PR guy. This is this would be exactly where people go, oh, you got it across. Everybody here is under contract. They ain't going anywhere till their contract's up. The fact that he divulged by name when yeah. SR, by the way, SRS never offered up a name. I'll give him uh, his credit. Whoever he, he talked, he handled this perfect. SRS handled this perfect. I'm giving it, yeah, giving him his credit. Mm-hmm. He never mentioned a name, but he offered up Adam Cole and Malachi Black, uh-huh. both signed until 2027. Why? What's the question? They're not the only ones he signed from over there. There's a lot of people on that roster he signed from over there. Yeah, Ruby Soho's over there. Uh, Amber Moon's over there, or you know, Athena, whatever you want to yeah. call her now. You know, and the list goes on Kyle and on. O'Reilly, Kyle Bobby O'Reilly, Fish. Bobby Fish. There's so many guys on the, the roster that came from over there. Cesaro, yep. Claudio, whatever you want. Once again, Brian Danielson's over there. John Moxley, whatever. There's a list of guys. Even Chris Jericho. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a there's a whole section of that roster that has come from WWE. Like, listen, it is what it is. But why stir it up? Like, that's the whole thing that for me when I'm hearing this, I'm going like, why are you even addressing this in this manner? Like, nobody was asking for names. You don't need to defend this to anybody. Like, if you're AEW 
All you need to do is focus on AEW. Why are you so worried about the IWC? Because in all realistic talk here. See, now I'm getting wound up. I can't even talk. This is where you just need to hone in for yourself. And you should be using these points when you're getting on such a public platform to use as a rally cry for AEW. But instead, we're sitting here comparing ourselves to our neighbors. Why are you even addressing this tone? That's the thing that just blows my mind at this stage in the game. Like, I can understand what this happened in, like, the first six months of the company, still the, the honeymoon phase. But we're how many years in now, and yet we keep going back to this, where we have to defend ourselves to the internet wrestling community. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. But I will say this. I'm glad you said uh, about keep your eyes on your own business, because that's where it is. So when when we talk about things like this, because the first couple of news stories are kind of really about AEW and what's going on in WWE and responses from people in AEW. Mm. And the reason this comes up is, A, that's what we do here. We're an op-ed piece. Yeah. That's what we do. We, we give our editorial and our opinions and takes. We're not journalists. We're not breaking news. We talk about things that come up, and then we give our take on them. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. It's not a hit piece against Tony Khan or anybody else. It's, hey, as wrestling fans, and I can't say this loud enough. I can't yell this from the rooftop enough. So you're going to hear me say it probably a million times. You've heard me say it in the past. And you're going to hear me say it a million times in the future, especially now that it looks like WWE is coming out of the dark ages, if you will. Yeah. Competition in pro wrestling is good for everybody. I said it last night or two nights ago, technically, on the SummerSlam review show. Mm-hmm. I said when WWE is actually firing, that means that AEW is going to be better by proxy. Yep. That means that Impact's going to be better by proxy. That means New Japan's going to be better by proxy. That means GCW, PWG, AIW, all these indies. You know why? Because when wrestling is looked at in a positive light and good things are happening, more people are going to consume wrestling, and there is more ways to consume wrestling content right now than any other time in history. Facts. So this is a wonderful time to be a wrestling fan right now. It's a wonderful time also to be in the business. The thing of the matter is, is I can't stress this enough. Tony Khan needs to worry about Tony Khan business. He needs to worry about, because here's the problem. Once w, if WWE gets better, which is, it's making those changes. We've seen them are small changes, but you know, they're going in that direction. Once they continue to go in that direction and you're not, and you're just still playing tit for tat, you're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see that. Because, true. Because guys, here's, here's the thing. The better AEW is the better WWE should be. Absolutely. Because if there's somebody that, even if they're not right behind them, even if they're five steps behind them, whatever you want to call it, that's still somebody there compared to nobody. Mm -hmm. So it makes you better. Competition's always going to make you better. Think about it. When you're running a race, if you watch a 100-meter dash, if you have Usain Bolt against a bunch of slow people, he's going to half-ass run. He's not going to run his best time ever because eh, he doesn't have to to win. Mm -hmm. Conserve energy. But if he's racing against the top 10 racers in the world and himself, he is going to step it up another level and beat them. And even if he beats them badly, mm-hmm. it's the fact the competition was there is the reason why he ran the record. You see what I mean? Yeah. And that's what WWE should be doing and probably will be doing. And that's why Tony Khan has to step up. Here's a perfect example of which. And I love uh, I love how the <laughs> this is a, we're fans of AEW botches, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why because they're the little engine that could. Mm-hmm. Every time Tony Khan and AEW tries to take them out, they keep coming back. <laughs> they're like cockroaches. They won't, and they and they said that we're not going to go away. Yeah, you're not going to bully us out. And here, steer into it. You know what you should do? Make AEW botches obsolete by not fucking up. Mm. But this is a good point of theirs, and I looked up, double check the numbers. We always hear the accountant. 
That's what I'm gonna call him from now on here. You Fair. Know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The accountant from Buffalo, who likes to he used to he used to be impartial, mm-hmm. but now he likes to you know give you the one sided numbers. Always tell you about how AEW is ahead of where they were last year and the year before. And I've always said that doesn't make sense because I've looked at the numbers. You've looked at the numbers. Yep. Other people have looked at the numbers. It doesn't make sense. AW Botch has put this out this week. And this is the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this is what you should focus on Tony Khan. I'm not saying ratings are the end of the world. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that it is indication of what's going on with your company when it's like this. Simply put, AW Dynamite viewership declined by 12% compared to same week last year. 28th July 2021, they had 1,110,000. 27th July 2022, 976,000, which is minus 12%. Once again, like we've been saying before, there is no growth. Yeah. And 12% is not a lot, but if it's 12% next this year and it's another 12% next year, that's 24%. It's 36% three years. You see what I mean? And then once again, we're not the ratings guys. We don't think the ratings are end-all, be-all because there's so many other ways to consume media these days. However, however... It is an indication that the viewership's not there. And that's what advertisers are looking for for the company. So if they need to take that seriously, because they need advertisement to continue on. How do you, once again, where do you, you think I'm right in all this? That, that he needs to focus on his own shit? 1,000%. The fact that you have have not been able to break higher with your viewership, and this is not a shot per se, but when you live and die by ratings, you have to really look at this. When you're stagnant, and you hover around the same number each and every week, which is just barely a million or just barely over, that's great if you like being content. But where is content going to get you when you have WWE working on a major, major broadcasting rights contract? And for you, that you're hovering there, you're not showing that growth in comparison to them. So when you have to renegotiate, what's going to happen there? Especially when you're trying to get, allegedly, time for Ring of Honor. I'm glad you brought up Ring of Honor. Speaking of numbers, speaking of him spreading himself thin, Ring of Honor. This is reported by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. ROH Death Before Dishonor looks to have done about 36,100 buys, consisting of 27,000 digital and 9,100 from television. Mm. So it is appears that, and once again, somebody would argue, oh, that's better than Ring of Honor did. Yeah, it is. But it's not better than the last Ring of Honor show. And do you think some of that is because there is no built-up anything going behind it anymore? And it's just AEW light. Absolutely. The, the problem that you had is the, this show, we have to take back in time, too. Obviously, the Ring of Honor diehard fans that had supported the company prior to them shutting down were all in to see what the new product was going to be. So Supercar of Honor came out in April, did a very good show. I mean, obviously, Tag Team Match of the Year still to this day. But when you start going into how fast the card for Death Before Dishonor was put together, and it was literally only a couple weeks, and you're trying to feature Ring of Honor talent very, very quickly, you're trying to win over a fan base that, okay, if you're looking at the average Dynamite numbers, what, 950, we'll just say for you know kicks and giggles here. So if 950,000 people are watching Dynamite and you have 350,000 give-take watch in Rampage, you have that demographic that you're trying to sell a pay-per-view of $40 to get into wrestlers that you don't see on TV all the time. I think if they did some more stuff, if they did, like I even touched upon this in Blocks Count Anywhere, if they did something like an embedded series and try really showcasing the Ring of Honor talent on a YouTube and then just mention it on the programming, maybe give some more eyes on the product, I think they would have had about a lot better numbers. Sure, you're doing better than maybe what Ring of Honor did, but 
like, are you trying to grow the brand or are you just trying to beat the old regime? Like, it's kind of a weird paradox in my eyes. But I, what I think you need to do is if you're going to make Ring of Honor a separate brand, win, lose, or draw, give them the Friday Night Rampage spot. Just call it ROH Rampage and be done with it. And then let it grow from there. Also, I'm, I'm going to get off Tony Khan here. I promise. But before that, Tony, if you're listening or somebody in Jacksonville is listening, when WWE puts on its first McMahon, Helmsley, McMahon, Levesque, however, if you want to go by work names or gimmick names, it doesn't matter, era pay-per-view, SummerSlam. During that show, very telling, he used to, he, I used to see him tweet all the time during shows, didn't? Mm-hmm. However, there was one AEW tweet during the height of people talking about SummerSlam. Tune into Dynamite, because this week on Dynamite, Matt Hardy versus Christian. The temp in the room, competition guy, that was the best you could fucking do. The best you could do on a night where the wrestling world is eyes are on your competition is go, we're going to take two older wrestlers who are synonymous with them and put them in a match on Dynamite, which we're supposed to be the young hip brand. Why isn't it a match with John Moxley versus an up-and-comer? Why isn't it a match with two of your up-and-coming wrestlers? Hell, I would say this. Why isn't it a even a Ring of Honor world title match? Which I know is coming up at uh, Battle of the Belts. But still, my point of the matter stands. Why is that your announcement during SummerSlam? I think that's lazy. <laughs> it's a, go for something fresh. Fresh. And, of course, this week also we're getting Chris Jericho versus Wheeler Yuta. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a, uh, he, if he loses, if Jericho loses, he loses his title shot at uh, Quake by the Lake, and Wheeler Yuta will then get the shot. Yes. So and that that's the other thing. On, and what else is on Dynamite? Just so I can Gun Club versus the acclaimed in the dumpster match. Because <laughs> that, that's going to be great. Yeah, Powerhouse Hobbs is just in action. They have announced. Ca- the- ca- calm down. Hold on. I want to go back for a second. Okay. Is the dumpster is the dumpster involved because of how much of a hot dumpster fire that rap battle was? It could be. Because if that's the case, then okay, we're in, back in. In my Continue. opinion, that was an awful segment. I stand by my words with oh, that. Oh, I, I, it was a terrible. I mean, Max Caster did fine. Yeah. But the gun boys should never, or the ass boys, sorry. Let's, yeah. call, them what, let's, let's call them what Danhausen calls them. The ass boys mm-hmm. should never come near, uh, never rap again, please. Yep. Thank you. Cassidy versus Lethal. Okay. And the Undisputed Elite is returning. So they're just coming out, I believe, for just an interview segment. Okay, see, but I'm ex- see I would be more excited to plug during that event, hey, Check out the Undisputed Elite's return. Check out Orange Cassidy in action. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Check out Danhausen. Check out Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is going to come out, and he's going to cut a promo on fucking Will Hobbs for turning his back on him. Like, those are the things that would excite me as competition. I'm just throwing it out there. And I'm sure any AEW fan out there is agreeing with that. I'm, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who doesn't agree with that statement. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Let's move off of Tony Khan. There is another AEW roster member who, uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, decided that he was going to give his opinions about the new World Wrestling Entertainment direction. Of course, that would be one CM Punk. Hmm. And I know we wanted to talk about this for a multitude of levels. Let me read his statement at San Diego Comic-Con. He was asked about... Vince McMahon's retiring and everything going on. He starts by saying, you think because he tweeted that I'm retired that he's not going to be hands-on? Actually, we do because <laughs> he's in a world of shit. <laughs> we'll just say reasons. <laughs> we'll just say that uh, the IRS and the uh, the stock exchange are investigating. So, yeah, he needs to not be near the company because that would muddy the waters of the company and could actually cost the company. Yes. Just throwing it out there. So, no, yes, he's gone. For right now, at least. Mm-hmm. Probably forever. He continued by saying, I don't think the structure there, the dot, 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 
What's the word I'm looking for? Dot, dot, dot. I don't think the culture there changes at all. It is what it is. I'll put it to you like this. Oh boy, people are going to be real fucking mad about this, but fuck it. Mercedes, Sasha Banks, obviously, and Trinity, Naomi, obviously, leave. They announce on SmackDown that they, gosh damn, we are so disappointed in them. They really let your fans down. Brock splits, comes back, obviously. I think he worked the show. Where is Michael Cole saying Brock Lesnar really let those fans down? I walked out. They went on TV and called me a quitter. What's changed? What's the difference? You're going to attack these two poor women who had enough and walked. They have bigger balls than everybody there. What's changed? There's nothing much that has changed. There's people that talk about it and people who do it. The people who lick the boots and have the audacity to say that about those two women. Fucking cowards and bootlickers. This shit is ridiculous. Why don't they do it to Brock? They did it for me. It's none of my business. By the way, the smartest thing he said in the whole thing is the last line, it's none of my business. First of all, let's address what the internet has still been fucking talking about. It is not the same thing what allegedly happened with Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. and what happened with Sasha and Naomi and even MJF. We're going to we're gonna let's settle it once and for all. Remember, we didn't talk about it too much last week because I didn't want to dive into it, but we're going to spend uh, just a couple minutes. Kevin. Sure. Just on this point, because Punk wants to point out. So let me point out, or even you, Punk. Punk, when you left, you took your ball and went home. You said you weren't going to return until treatment got better. Now, the company said, fine, whatever. They offered you to come back, whatever, and then they fired you. It just so happened it was on your wedding day. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but whatever, that is their prerogative. Sure. Let's go to MJF, because it happened in AEW. I just want to talk about it. MJF. What he did at the pay-per-view, fine. What he did on Dynamite, fine, doing his job. The fact that he left and no-showed a paid-for autograph signing for the company and screwed fans over, that's unprofessional. And I'm an MJF fan, but that's unprofessional. Mm -hmm. Let's go on. Sasha and Naomi, we don't have to rank on this. Do I believe, if they believe they were offended and they believe that they're vindicated or they're validated, I believe they're validated. I've said that before. Sure. However... To not wrestle that night. If you if they would have wrestled in the main event and then quit, fine. You did your job. Not doing that does make you unprofessional. Does it mean that you're wrong? No. Did it mean that Punk was wrong when he left because of mistreatment or what he perceived as mistreatment? No. no. Does it, is it wrong that MJF thought he was being mistreated and left? No. Believe it or not, you can not be wrong but still be unprofessional. Right. Because professionalism, once again, if your name is on a contract, that means you have to go to work. But even if you don't have a contract, you and I, we are intended to go to work. If I don't show up at my job tomorrow, and when I'm asked, I'm just like, eh, fuck you, I'm not going to have a job anymore. Right. Doesn't matter what I think. So those are, those are the cases of them. And that's fine. Once again, I am on the side of all of those wrestlers, believe it or not. But was it unprofessional what they did? Yes. Tony Storm, not unprofessional. You know why? She finished her match and then quit. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong about that. Right? Yeah. So, like I said, we can't criticize her about so that. So, now let's go to Brock Lesnar. Let's, for the people in the back, I'm going to say it slowly. Allegedly, because we still have no evidence this is true. Allegedly, when Brock found out that Vince McMahon was retiring, he said, fuck this, I'm out. And he left. Whoever cooler heads prevailed or somebody talked him back in the building, he came back. He made his appearance that night on SmackDown, which he was advertised for. Mm-hmm. He then made another appearance the following week on SmackDown, and he made his appearance at SummerSlam. How is that the same thing as Sasha Diamond? Please tell me. If you can even play devil's advocate and tell me, I, I would love it. 
but I don't think you can because I don't think it makes any fucking logical sense. No, because if everybody's complaining about their treatment with the company or their direction of their characters, everything's done by a different individual basis. Like the different stories that you have going on. So in the in the Brock situation, that's still been a mess. And nobody knows what that is. But honestly, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, he came back and wrestled. Or he was on the show. He did what he was contractually obligated to do, which was professionalism. The same way that at Double or Nothing, MJF showed up for his match. Mm-hmm. That is professional. Yeah. What he did the day before was unprofessional. Correct. What he did on Double or Nothing was professional. Right. Brock, whether he left or not, which we don't know. Padawan J might be right. He might have just went to Jimmy John's to get a sandwich. We don't know. Yeah. None of us know. We can only go by the words of what we're told by people who are wrong most of the time. Yeah. Mind you, their leak comes from within the system. It's, <laughs> so play, it's playing the game of telephone. Played, they yeah. could have played them. Yeah. They could have been trying to play, find the mole. They could have just been like, hey, let's fuck around with the fucking dirt sheets today. We don't know. Right. We only know what the, as a fan, we were promised that he would be in the main event segment, and he was. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's at the end of the day, that's the only story that should be coming out of this. But for everybody trying to, you know, rally it around, you know, standing up for yourself against the machine, you really have to take it by case by case example. And plus, you got to call it even for everybody because I mean, there we've had this situation with Jonathan Gresham that's allegedly happened. I'm gonna do that in a minute. Let's hold off on a second because okay. I just want to say this in closing about the whole Brock Lesnar situation. The Michael Cole portion of it. Also, I want to point out with the regime change, Vince McMahon was not there to feed a line into Michael Cole. Correct. Team. So that's part of the reason, because we know the reason why Michael Cole said that they were being unprofessional and shit was because Vince McMahon told them to. Yep. On top of that, and that doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong, whatever. It is what it is, as Punk would have pointed out. Mm-hmm. But what it does say is that, A, the new regime's not throwing people under buses, and B, he was there. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no reason for him to be unprofessional. If he didn't show up, he didn't. then it's unprofessional. Mm-hmm. The other two left, they weren't coming back. Right. It's not like they they didn't break it at the fucking 8 o'clock hour. They waited until they knew they weren't coming back mm-hmm. for the advertised main event they were in. And I'm sorry, whether you agree with them or not, or they're valid or not, you have to admit that that is unprofessional. Yeah, I mean, they're... they're their ends justified their means. Like they that, they felt a certain way about it, and you know what? I agree with them about it. They, like, if you feel that passionate about it, you got to do what you got to do. End of the day, though, like you touched upon, it is unprofessional. Agreed. I agree 100% because I'm with them. I stand with them. On yeah. It. I stand with anybody on any worker's thing. But at the same time, I understand what professionalism is. Professionalism is showing up for what you promised. You got two ways of handling something like that. Exactly. So now let's jump to what you just talked about because that's what I want to talk about. Why is it that San Diego Comic-Con CM Punk feels so comfortable to judge the new direction of WWE without being there, to judge this culture of WWE without being there, to trust everything like this? At the same time, bringing up, of course, his his striking point that he's been bringing up now for over two months because since it's happened, Sasha and Naomi. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm paraphrasing because I'm not looking up the original thing. CM Punk, to paraphrase him, right the day after, a couple days after they walked, mm-hmm. And put out a tweet that said, in essence, that if if your coworkers walk, you should stick with them in solidarity. If they feel unjustly done and you stick together in solidarity, you can get things done. Standing alone doesn't do anything. Even if you don't like them, you should stand by them. Something like something, that, it yes. was Something to that extent. I can look it up, but yeah. I'm sure everybody at home remembers that. Where the fuck have you been for Jonathan Gresham? Mm-hmm. He is signed to the same person, entity that you are. He is your coworker. He's on AEW programming. I thought he signed an AEW contract. Yep. However. Crickets. However, he felt unjustly. Mm-hmm. Whether you like him or not, whether you agree with him or not, stand in solidarity, punk. Why has it been mums the world? He has not said one fucking thing about Jonathan Gresham. 
Not one. But he feels comfortable about this. Is it? Is there any difference besides the company that is paying him and his hard on to take it to WWE? I'm sorry. If if, if you believe if, if that's what you're going, why are you being a hypocrite? Why and why doesn't any journalist who has the questions they ask him because he ain't going to answer my questions because right. he doesn't have the balls. I'll say that right now. I wish somebody would send this to him and go, oh, and he'd have the balls to have me just straight out ask him questions. And it doesn't even matter for ratings. I, I won't even talk about it, Phil. I'll call you Phil being disrespectful. I worked in the wrestling business. You're not supposed to call people by their real names, by the way, and journalists do this all the time. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, Phil, anytime, brother, anytime. Reach out. But he won't. He won't answer any questions for anybody that's not a lob ball or softball. I'll mark words on that. Anybody who can get me a question from him that's real, I fucking dare you. Why? Or if even if you hear this, you don't even have to say it to me. Put it out there. Let's hear your take on Jonathan Gresham, which we know is still not done. Right. Let's hear your fucking take. Let's hear your take on that. Stand in solidarity. Don't be a fucking hypocrite when it comes to your company. And I'm not defending WWE and what they did. Mm. I'm going after CM Punk. This has nothing to do with WWE and AEW. This is the same scumbag shit that CM Punk has made a career out of, and you hear time and time again from wrestlers how much of a piece of shit he was. I've heard this personally from a ton of people who work with Punk. And everybody's like, oh, they were just jealous of him. Really? Or is he really a piece of shit? Ask Colt Cabana how well that worked. Ask Ace Steel how well that worked. Ask anybody else who was allegedly his fucking friend how it worked. Okay, brother, let's go. You you wanted people to stand in solidarity. Where are you on Jonathan Gresham? Come on, give me an answer. Anybody out there is Kool-Aid drinking and wants to defend CM Punk, go ahead. Give me a real answer. I bet you can't. I bet you, you won't even talk about it. I'll put money on it. And if he does, then that means somebody got to him. And it might be my fat ass sitting in this chair. <laughs> but if it is, that's good. Stand up. Stand up for him. I mean, I understand one of your legs is bummed, but you can stand on one. Fuck. You walked around Comic-Con or hobbled, according to reports. Right. But fuck, come on, man. This is what you said, and it's happening in your backyard. So why wouldn't you want to send the message to everybody that we're not like the machine? We're not like WWE. We care about our people. Somebody has a gripe. Maybe they're not just. Maybe they are. But I'm going to find out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this for everybody else because I'm the locker room general I say I am. Because the situation is simple. It is personal because of how he left WWE. Take it back to the pipe bomb. We all knew that this was going to happen at some point. When he made the comment about Triple H and Stephanie in the pipe bomb, that foreshadowed a lot of animosity that he has. And if he wants to feel that way, he can feel that way. Sure. But that's why he's, he's continuing to poke at the proverbial WWE bear. And that's why he can't let it go. Because of his ego and how everything ended up. In my opinion, he is just not letting go. He's still hanging on to those feelings. And he wants to just keep sticking it to Triple H and Vince and Stephanie and everybody involved. Which, you know what? You want to do that, you're fine. But you know what? It's almost going into like an echo chamber where nobody's listening anymore. Oh, I agree. I agree. But my my biggest problem is not just him. Who else is the locker room? Who is in AEW stood up and said anything for Jonathan Gresham? Who? Yeah. Name, name one person. I can't. Whether they agree with them or not. Who? Who is sticking up for it? Who in that locker room? They're so different from WWE. We stand by our talent. Who? Which person? I've heard zero of them mention him at all. No, I haven't heard nothing. Zero. Don't you think somebody should have been like, man, this is fucked up. You know, how many people in that locker room commented almost instantly when they heard about the rumors of Sasha and I? Oh, the, half, the, half the locker room at least. Not, not, your, not your coworkers. No. But your coworker, nothing. In my opinion, it was like half. It was it was a big tidal wave that came out. And I'm sorry, that disturbs me. That does. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to say shit, don't be a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Let's stick guns. 
That's all I got to say about that. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole more than what we already did because I'm already getting fired up over here. Mm-hmm. Because I, I kind of, I, you know, hey, whether you agree with him or not, whether you believe the statement that was put out that, that Jonathan Gresham may or may not have given out his PWI oh, ranking. <laughs> Fuck out of here. I'm sorry. No, if, I can't if, believe by that. By the way, if he, if he did it, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Yes. And I'll, I'll, I'll instantly say that. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't defend him. No, you, because because Punk said in that statement, it doesn't matter if you agree with them. It doesn't matter if they are your friend or not. It doesn't even matter if you like them. But if you stand together, they can't take advantage of all of us. And he's not wrong. But why does it only work when it's WWE and not AWROH? Well, that's the whole problem that everybody wants to try, you know, spinning it against WWE. And like, listen, not saying they're perfect because they're, they're definitely not. But like you touched on, if you're going to take a stance, you got to take a stance for everybody. You can't sit there and pick and choose. Doing the what favors me best is not being proper you need to have the same energy 100 for everybody ready for this you know why we're the podcast that calls it right down the middle they'll tell you why because i stand by sasha naomi's mm-hmm. decision absolutely uh, if that's what they want to do and they feel valid they're valid sure i was it unprofessional how they did it sure but you know what the ends justify the means right facts same with mjf mm-hmm. same even with punk back in the day yep same shit that goes on anybody else jonathan gresham yep ali ali and the list goes on you name a person who has a gruff, I will defend them. As long as they didn't cause it themselves. There are certain people. <laughs> right, right, right. As we know, that cause their own issues. Mm-hmm. However, if you're going to make statements, back them up. Don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. And that's what drives me nuts because everybody out here, everybody out here on the internet picks and chooses depending upon what tribe you're in, what you're doing. Fuck tribalism. Be a wrestling fan. If you're a wrestling fan, be a wrestling fan. And that means if you love WWE, love it. If you love AEW, love it. If you love New Japan, love it. If you love all of wrestling and you want to see good wrestling, fucking love it. But at the end of the day, you got to love it. You got to love it. If you don't love it, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. Just admit it. But don't get out there and fucking make shit toxic. And as far as the wrestling journalists go, if they spent less time boasting about some fight that wasn't a real fight (laughs) and more time on actually asking tough questions instead of asking lob ball fucking questions at scrums to Tony Khan and and company and actually asked, Hey, why isn't Jonathan Gresham here? And when he goes, well, I'm not answering questions about Jonathan. Well, no, that's too bad. We want the answer. We need to have something. We want the answer. We want a statement. Mm -hmm. Why? Why aren't we getting, Oh, because you're worried about your press pass going away. Come on. So then you're not doing real journalism. You're not giving that same comfort to WWE. Facts. You're not giving that same comfort to Impact Wrestling. You're not giving that same comfort to GCW. Shit, it wasn't that long ago that we heard reporters saying that GCW had an unprofessional locker room that was toxic. Mm-hmm. And then everybody said, you're fucking, have you ever been in the locker room? People who were actually there. Once again, giving up to Sean Ross Sapp. Sean Ross Sapp was like, I've been in that locker room. It seems fucking fine to me. But there was other people tearing it down. Come on, guys. Yeah. Can't be picking and choosing. Stop being hypocrites. All I'm saying. Now, we are going to take our first break. I'm going to regroup myself. When we come back in the mid-card, we're going to be talking Game Changer Wrestling's latest event. We're also going to give you the update on New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 32. During the break, you're going to hear a brand new band on this show. They're called Obscure Form. They're from Rochester, New York. Let's go. Check them out. Uh, You're going to be hearing a little bit more from them in the near future. We'll help you enjoy it during the break when we come back with the mid-card.
That's right. Even though you can't see him, I can guarantee Ken M is breaking it down on this wonderful mid-card theme bass line. That's right. Get it, brother. Get it. It is now time for the mid-card of this episode of 607TWS. Uh, we got a little indie roundup, if you will, uh, talking some game changer wrestling first, and then we're going to be breaking you off with all you need to know about G1 Climax. Are you ready? Let's Ken do this. M. Cannot wait to talk GCW. Cannot wait. Well, you don't have to wait much longer because, ladies and gentlemen, this past Friday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10.30 Central, where they were located, Game Changer Wrestling returned to Fight.TV from Nashville, Tennessee, and the fairgrounds at Nashville as part of StarCast, by the way, for GCW The People. Versus GCW. Are you ready to hear the results? Kevin? Yes. All right. So in the opening contest, it was for the GCW Extreme title. It's a six-way scramble match. Your champion, AJ Gray, defending against Axton Ray, Cole Radrick, Grim Reefer, Marco Stunt, Shane Mercer. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, your new Game Changer Wrestling Extreme champion, the King of Wreck Shit Mountain, Cole Radrick. Uh, next up, we had a singles match. Between uh, where, in 11 minutes and 46 seconds, our favorite asshole here at 607 TWS got an upset victory over Speedball Mike Bailey. So Tony Deppin defeating Speedball Mike Bailey. Next match on the card, All Elite Nick Wayne defeated the Sauce God Alex Zane. Then we had a six-man Lucha match as the team of Black Taurus, Gringo Loco, and Jack Cartwheel defeated the team of ASF, Commander, and Laredo Kid. And don't worry, Ken M, Commander did Commander things. Yes. Uh, next up, we had another kind of Lucha extreme match, if you will, as Psycho Clown defeated the bad boy Joey Janela, followed by another Lucha match, if if you will. But in this case, the East Coast ace, one of our favorite wrestlers here, Jordan Oliver, defeated Bandito. Then we had, for the GCW World Tag Team titles, we had a three-way match. Your champions, Bussy, Ali Cachaneffi, defending against the second gear crew, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice, and Los Macisos, Ciclope, and Mado Extremo. By the way, at the end of the day, your new Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team champions, Los Macisos. Then we had a singles match where Masha Slamovich continues her winning ways as she defeated Kevin Blackwood via submission, by the mm -hmm. way. And then the main event of the evening for the Game Changer Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship. Your champion, John Moxley, went one-on-one -on -one with All Heart, a.k.a. the best in the fucking world, Blake Christian. At the end of the day... John Moxley is still the Game Changer Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. Let's pass it over to you first, Ken. How did you feel about the people versus GCW? This is the best card since uh, GCW so alive. I, I would agree with that. Top to bottom. Mark the phenomenal. tape. Mark the tape. This is the best card of the year. It's in contention right now. GCW pulled out all the stops for this one. Jordan Oliver versus Bandito. Holy crap, was that amazing. Kid, the kid was there, baby. Yeah, Masha against Kevin Blackwood. That was a fantastic match. Masha is climbing up the ranks there, too. She is putting on an impressive run as of late. Agreed. The, I called last week on 607 TWS. I got to take my victory lap and new tag team champs. Yes, yes, you did. I was also agrees. I'm a big Los Macisos yes. fan. And so I'm very excited for that. It was also a very good match. Very good match. I mean, uh, Ali Cash did break out the knife boot. Yep, that's when you know shit's serious. Or the boot knife. Yep. Actually, I said it backwards. <laughs> yes. Uh, and obviously, the Lucha six-man tag was the most insane thing ever. Commander doing Commander things. That whole match, top to bottom. I just want to throw it out there. Brett Lauderdale tweeted out, 
who does Lucha in the United States better than GCW? The answer is nobody. Yeah, not nobody. in the U.S. Not in the U.S. Not to mention, then we got a Lucha Extreme match between Psycho Clown and Bad Boy Joey Janela. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Psycho Clown, very good. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with Psycho Clown, you should get familiar. Yeah, cool seeing Reddy, uh, the Reddy Daddy getting the Extreme title. Exactly, and then, of course, the main event. Man, I was I was so thinking it was time to pull Blake as champion. So they didn't. That was the only surprise. Like, I'm not mad about it because it was a hell of a match, but I'm like, who's next for Mox? And I, I'm fearing we're going to have a Nick Gage title shot. I think that's going to end up happening as well, but I was kind of hoping against it. I'm kind of like, man, I wish he would have dropped the belt to Tony Deppin. I, I did like the Tony Deppin versus Mox match from New York City, not just because we were there, yeah, I, but still I thought it was a little better than the Blake Christian match. Nothing against Blake. No. thought he still was phenomenal. Absolutely. He's going to get his shit back together and come back and take another shot at that belt because he is really one of the best in the world currently. Facts. Biggest upset of the night, though, Tony Deppin defeating oh Speedball Mike Bailey. God, did not see that coming, but man, that was a fucking fantastic match. Well, big things are coming up, Ken M. Big things because they're not on TV this upcoming week. Right. The following week, they are back, and it is GCW Homecoming from the Carousel wait. Room in Atlantic City. And we're not going to do too much deep diving on now because that will be next week's show. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Los Macisos are now your Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions. They already had a match signed for Atlantic City against them boys, the Briscoes. <laughs> Los Macisos versus Briscoes. How are you feeling about that? Take my money now. I cannot wait to see what kind of shit happens there. Also, I would like to point out, also, John Moxley is confirmed to be defending the GCW World Television title at one of the nights of Homecoming as well. I wonder if they would go gauge there. It depends on how he's feeling. Yeah, I was going to say, well, he's been training with Jordan Oliver. So, you know, I wouldn't doubt Jordan sneaking in there for the title match. That would be interesting. I could see that. He's on a, he's on a he's pretty good win streak. He's putting wins together there. Not only is he on a win streak, but uh, he's also been beating some pretty big name people. Yes. I just want to throw it out there. No matter how you look at it, if you're if you're a fan of GCW, oh, it's it's such it's such a fun time. Yes. Pro wrestling fans, we always say this. Check out everything. Check out whatever you can. You're going to you're going to enjoy and you're going to find something. So there's no time to hate anything because you should be in love with wrestling currently. Absolutely. All right, Ken M. There's only one more thing to do here, the mid card. Hit that music. I think you know. That's right, it's hard to talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling. More specifically, let's talk about the updated uh, results of the G1 Climax 32. This is all that has gone down in the past week. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, first of all, we had uh, on the 26th of uh, July, uh, here's all the matches that went down just for the tournament. In a B-block matchup, Chase Owens defeated the Great Okan. In a C-block matchup, Evil defeated Kenta. In an A-block matchup, Lance Archer defeated Filthy Tom Lawler. And in a D-block matchup, David Finley defeated Juice Robinson. Finn Juice exploded, Yeah. And David Finley was the winner. On the 27th of July... Uh, tournament matches only in a D block match. The Billy Goat Will Osprey defeated Yujiro Takahashi. In an A block match, Bad Luck Fale defeated Toriyanu. Uh, in a C block match, Hiroki Goto defeated Aaron Hunrai. And in a B block match, Tamahiro Ishii defeated the good bad guy Tamatanga. Let's fast forward now to the 30th, which was just yesterday as we were recording, believe it or not. David Finley defeated Shingo Tagagi in a D block match. That's an upset. No, it's in an A block match, Jonah defeated Filthy Tom Lawler. In a B block matchup, Sonata defeated Great Okan. And in a C block match, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Zack Saber Junior. Impressive stuff there. And that oh, and then for for the thirty first, this is the last one we have for here. Uh, in the A block match, Jeff Cobb defeated Lance Archer. 
Uh, Yoshihashi defeated Juice Robinson in a, B, in a D block match. In a B block match, your IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Jay White defeated Chase Owens. In an A block match, Kazuchika Okada defeated Bad Luck Fale. And in a C block match, Tetsuo Naito defeated Evil. So the current standings, as they are, in the A block, uh, we have one person in sole possession of uh, fourth place, the so last place, and that's Filthy Tom Lawler with zero points. Then we have a three-way tie for third place uh, with Jonah, Lance Archer, and Toriano, all with two points. Then we have a two-way tie in second place in A block, both with four points, Bad Luck Fale and Jeff Cobb, and with six points in sole possession of first place, the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada. In B block, we have uh, one person in fourth place, Great Okan. We have a tie, a one, two, three, four-way tie for third place, all with two points. Tamahiro Ishii, Chase Owens, Tamatanga, and Tai Chi. And second place, solely in second place with four points, Sonata. And your first place in B block with six points, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, the Switchblade, Jay White. C block. In, uh, la- in third place, which is last place here, with zero points, Kenta. In second place, all tied with two points, Evil, Tetsuyo Naito, and Aaron Henry. And there is a three-way tie for first place, all with four points, Hiroki Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And last but not least, D-Block. We have a one, two, three, four, five-way tie for second place. That's so wild. All with two points, Rock Hard, Juice Robinson. Yoshihashi, Yujiro Takahashi, Shingo Tagagi, and El Phantasmo. And tied for first place with four points each, David Finley and the Billy Goat Will Osprey. Tell you what, man, G1 is definitely picking up some steam there. Uh, before we come back next on next week's show, just making sure I have the right date, by the way. Uh, so before we come back on next week's show, uh, these are the matches you're going to see. Of course, first up will be on August 2nd. Uh, in a B-block match, we'll get Ishii versus Great Okan. An A-block match of Filthy Tom Lawler and Toriyano. A B-block match of Tamatanga and Sonata. A C-block match between Hiroki Goto and Kenta. And a D-block match of David Finley versus Will Osprey. Next up, we have uh, on the next night would be August 5th. August 5th, there will be a D-block match between Juice Robinson and Yujiro Takahashi. Bullet Club erupts. A B-block match between Tai Chi and Chase Owens. A C-block match between Tetsuya Naito and Aaron Henry. An A-block match between Jonah and Jeff Cobb. And a C-block main event of the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Evil. And last but not certainly not least, before we come... Oh, no, actually, no. Yeah, before we come back next week, uh, we have... Oh, no, two more nights, sorry. I, I apologize. We have an A-block match on the twi- the 6th between Toriyanu and Lance Archer. A B-block match between Great Okan and the IWGP World's Heavyweight Champion, the Switchblade Jay White. A C-block match of Hiroki Goto versus Zack Sabre Jr. A D-block match between Yoshihashi and Al Phantasmo. And then a D-block main event between Shingo Tagagi and Will Ospreay. Oh, that's sweet goat. And then on the 7th of August, we have an A-block match of Kazuchika Okada versus Jonah. Mm-hmm. A B, uh, another A-block match, sorry, between Filthy Tom Lawler and Bad Luck Fale. A B-block match for Tamahiro Ishii versus Chase Owens. So Bullet Club going against, or no, Bullet Club versus Chaos, sorry. Right. A C-block match of Aaron Henry versus Evil. And the main event will be a D-block matchup of Juice Robinson versus El Phantasma. Mm. Those will be the matches that are going to go down between now and the next one. 
If you would like to check out any and all of the action going on in the G1 Climax, you can do so over at njpwworld.com for as little as 999 yen, which works out to be around $9 American. And do the exchange rates if you're from somewhere else, because I don't have those off the top of my head. But it is definitely worth the money, especially during G1 season. And by the way, all those events, even if you missed them, you can watch on demand, and all of them have English commentary. Yes. Uh, done by the great Kevin Kelly. So with that being said, uh, that's going to do it for this week's mid-card for 607 TWS. But don't you fret. We have one final segment left. And that is the main event of the show. And we are going to break down and talk all about... Ric Flair's last match. Whether you like the main event or not, it doesn't matter because that undercard is vicious and it's from a ton of great promotions. Mm -hmm. We're going to break that down and more in the main event after this break. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing Wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! That's right, it's time to rumble. It is time for the main event of this week's episode of 607TWS. And of course, in this final, final segment, in the main event... We are covering a final. That's right. We are covering the final match of the legendary career of the nature boy, Ric Flair. I want it in writing. It's the last one. Uh, something like what Motley Crue did, and then they, yep. bro they broke that shit, so they had to pay the money. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I doubt that's going to happen, but maybe. <laughs> Keep holding out hopes. Uh, but still, tonight, Jim Crockett Promotions. That's right. You heard me. Don't, don't adjust your calendars, your clocks, your computers. We're not in a time machine. Tonight in the year 2022, Jim Crockett Promotions presented Ric Flair's last match. And it was live on Fight.TV coming to you from the uh, Nashville Municipal Auditorium in beautiful, gorgeous, vivacious Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm not going to make the you're the only 10 I see joke again. Mm. With that being said, 
we had a card. We're going to run through the card. We're going to go down the card. We're going to kind of give our thoughts and uh, everything on it because uh, peek behind the curtain. We literally just watched this. We had recorded most of the show. We went out. We just watched the entire event. And we're going to give you our opinions on it right here. Mere moments. Mere moments after the event ended. Are you ready, Ken M? Yes. The show opened up with a pre-show. There was two pre-show matches. One was a singles match where uh, it was basically a New Japan match as Ren Narita defeated Yua Yuamore via pinfall in five minutes and 30 seconds. And the other pre-show match was the Bunkhouse Brawl. And man, we were we were interested in the Bunkhouse Brawl. And you know why we were interested in the Bunkhouse Brawl? Because we knew from the threat of the, the real man, mm-hmm. the, the king, king, the, the god, god of this, this shit. fucking shit, Nick fucking Gage. The GCW was not going to sit on the sidelines, and they didn't. They made their impact in the bunkhouse brawl. And at the end of the day, the winner of the bunkhouse brawl, as, as should be, Mance Warner, the old Mancer. God bless. The old Mancer finally got his thing. He got to go to the WCW set that they had, like the the, the crack of promotion set. Shout out to Tony Schiavone. I think the first thing out of his mouth was, I've been waiting a long time to talk to you, Tony Schiavone. It's fucking, he was a kid at a candy store. It was a magical moment. So, honestly, I'm glad that they gave it to Mancer, but uh, East, GCW made a big impact on the Ric Flair's last match. Those were the two pre-show matches. Uh, how'd you feel about pre-show? Pre-show sure solid. I mean, where could you go wrong? New Japan definitely represented. And, of course, GCW cashing in on the, th- I don't want to say a threat, but a proclamation, if you a will. A proclamation. All right, let's talk about the main card, shall we? Let's do it. First contest of the night in a tag team match. The Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban defeated the formerly known as the American Wolves. Although, Davey Richards did yell American Wolves out. They're just known as the Wolves now. I don't understand that. But Davey R- Ed- Richards and Eddie Edwards, 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Thoughts on the match? Solid match. I mean, two of the best tag teams to ever do it. Get in the ring and put on a showcase. Absolutely. I mean, they've met in the past. Only one other time in the past, by the way. Also, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns won that match. They won this match. So Motor City Machine Guns kind of own the American Wolves. But, hey, I was I was happy to turn back the clock about a decade, 12, 10, 12 years ago mm-hmm. to when these were the two top tag teams in the world. And today they're still they're still busting their ass. David Richards, man, it doesn't like he's, he's a vampire. He's never aged. Exactly, he's he's vintage. I can say the same thing about the Motor City Machine Guns as mm-hmm. well. Uh, next up, we had a singles match brought to you by Major League Wrestling. Yes, uh, it really was. That's not just me. No, no, no. MLW decided to represent here. So, some of these matches were brought to you by companies, and we'll point them out. And this one was brought to you by MLW as Killer Cross with Scarlet Bordeaux in his corner. Defeated Davy Boy Smith Jr. via pinfall in five minutes and 20 seconds. Of course, it's always nice to see the Killer Smoke show. Yes. And uh, I wished that GoPro Wrestling, the people who shoot GCW, were in, responsible for shooting this because we should have gotten the SCG cam. So one camera was in the ring on the action, the other camera constantly on Scarlet Bordeaux. Second that. I'm just saying. Think about this, MLW. Know where the money shot is. <laughs> With that being said, I thought this match was uh, very good. It was two it's two bulls just locking horns and beating the hell out of each other at the end of the day. Got no problems with it. How'd you feel, Ken? No, I completely agree. I mean, you knew this was going to be hard-hitting. They definitely put on a show. And, yeah, I, I got to say, I wouldn't mind seeing this ram back. Next match was sponsored by Progress Wrestling out of the U.K. And it was a four-quarters match to determine the number one contender for the Progress World Championship. 
Jonathan Gresham defeated Allen Angels, Kensuke Takashita, and Nick Wayne in five minutes and ten seconds. Not a very long match, but uh, a lot of cool stuff going on in the match. And uh, your winner, Jonathan Gresham, is now the man who said he was leaving pro wrestling, is now locked in to be the number one contender for the Progress World title. Happy to see him bounce back from the uh, atrociousness that went on in Death Before Dishonor. And yeah, kind of interesting to see uh, for somebody that was going to take the rest of the year off, uh, maybe not so fast, which is good. It's always good to see Gresham in a ring. I also want to point out uh, a little editor's note here. Uh, Twitter, thank you for the, the, some of the scumbags in the IWC Jesus. showing your true colors, saying, oh, the reason he won is because all those people were below him and on the PWI. <laughs> oh, he's trash. His ego got in the way or else he'd get that bag. Oh, he's nothing. And that, that all the all elite wrestling fans, not all of the fans, no, but no, the really no, but... toxic ones, that's some fucking shit right there. Oh, absolutely, because he can't all wrestle basically anybody on the planet. He's the best best technical wrestler by far, was on your roster. I don't know what the future is right now, but I'm happy to see him bounce back. And, you know, like, honestly, with what all the rumors coming out from Death Before Dishonor, this is a great win for him. I agree. I will also say this. Uh, stop. When you're making fun of other people on the Internet, and, and, you know, the E-drones, as they call them, mm. which I'm not an E-drone, you're not an E-drone, Crazy Curtis ain't an E-drone who was here, Dog's not an E-drone, Dog's an impact drone. Right yes. Right. I, will, I can confirm Facts. that. I'd love to get him to do an impact confirm log. Confirm that. Yeah. But uh, I will say this. When you insult people who call you out and say, hey, if Gresham was in WWE, you guys would be saying free Gresham, and this is a travesty, and blah, 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 and your response is, ha, E-drone, uh, suck it, who cares, fuck you, huh. Um, they owned you. You can't really talk shit back. Right. Because that's the exact case. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys say the same stuff all the time. When it's true, eh. And we pointed out here, and nobody's challenged that. I welcome it. Tell me I'm wrong, because I'm not. Two weeks running. Anyways, here we go. Tag team match was up next. The four horsemen team, which I don't know how they got to use that name, of Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson. And they were accompanied to the ring by the legendary Glock Anderson. Hmm. Uh, Defeated the Rock and Roll Express team of Ricky Morton and his son, Kerry Morton. They had Robert Gibson in their corner. That match got seven minutes and 40 seconds. By the way, very serviceable. I'm going to say this. Ricky Morton, for his age, still can get some things done in the ring. I'm not saying he's classic back in the day, Ricky Morton, but he still has something. And Kerry Morton very much impressed me. He impressed me when he was in GCW. I was impressed here. And here's my question to you before the – I want to know what you thought about the match, which I thought the match was very good. But my other question, just so we can have two at the same time, is – why is AEW not booking Brock Anderson and Brian Pillman? I understand they might not be able to call them the Four Horsemen, but they can come up with a different name and that legacy gimmick that they could have because they were impressive as a tag team in the ring on this show. Ken M, your yeah, thoughts? That's what I was saying during the watch party. Is like They make perfect sense to make a tag team, and I think they could definitely do a lot of wonders, even if you want to make them in ROH if you're going to spin that off into a different brand, that's a perfect fit. They actually felt more like a tag team on screen than we saw with the varsity blondes. So why AEW isn't running with this is beyond me. I don't know. But once again, Tony Khan or anybody who's at AEW is listening. Hi. That's a good, that's a good idea. I, I promise yeah. you they, they were pretty good together. Next up, we had brought to you by triple a, a four way Lucha match. Oh. At the end of the day, Ray Phoenix, Defeated Bandito, Laredo Kid, and Black Taurus 
in 11 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, I before I we talk before I send it over to talk about the match because I'll I'll have you talk about the match first. I want to point out, give me David Crockett talking about lucha libre all the time. Yes, David Crockett was on commentary. I don't know if he's ever seen a lucha match before, but he was honestly, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, he was like a child seeing like the world for the first time and it was fucking amazing. He was like literally the you could see that you could tell there was an excitement. He was like, "Wow, this this happens in wrestling." I thought it was beautiful. I and I'm just not a knock on him. It was one of those moments you're like, "This is fucking real and that's cool to see an older man who has done a lot. His family meant a lot to the business. He's done a lot in the business." And he literally, and I'm sure he's watched millions of hours of wrestling. Sure. But to hear his reactions to this Lucha 4-Way, I was like, it it made my heart go, you know what, this is fucking awesome. It was, honestly, one of the reasons I was happy to buy this event was that alone. What do you think of the match and everything else, Ken? Match of the night, in my opinion. And I I I really thought all four of these guys brought it. And like you touched upon, this is a product that, for the history of Crockett Promotions, they really didn't dabble with too much, and I think that it was genuine wonderment that on the commentary he was just fully enjoying himself. And I think for a lot of fans too that maybe have not been exposed to a lot of the different styles that they were seeing with this card, this was a great eye opener. That maybe this will turn them on to go check out some of those promotions. So I think it was a win win overall. I, I'm gonna agree with you. I thought this was match of the night, made even better by uh, David Crockett. So kudos. Fucking really good match. Yes. The next match, though, could have been match of the night. We'll get to the – I'll tell you why I don't think it was after fact. Impact Wrestling presented the Impact Wrestling World's Heavyweight Championship match between your champion Josh Alexander and the Savage Samoan Jacob Fatu. Or the Samoan Werewolf because he calls himself both these days. Yeah. Whichever one you want to go to, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And still Impact Wrestling World Champion, Josh Alexander. This match got 10 minutes and 30 seconds, and there was a no contest because the match ended. And this is why it wasn't the match of the night, because the match ended by Brian Myers and Matt Cardona. Yeah. Interfering and laying out both Alexander and Jacob Fatu, but... To give credit, Jacob Fatu and Josh Alexander got the last left as they sent those fools packing. But prior to that, I'm going to throw it out there. They did some amazing shit in this match. Jacob Fatu, if you're not familiar with him, get familiar with him. Dude is phenomenal in the ring. He does things that a big man should never, never be able to do. At one point in juncture in this match, I know you were you were marking out because he did a like a cross body, almost like a full cross body spin. Uh, Spanish fly type deal. Yeah, he did some wild thing off the top rope, and I was like, for a man his size, he should not be rotating like that. Oh, it was it was phenomenal. I, I have to take away points for the ending. Did not let, like, especially on something like the, like, there's no storyline here. I understand maybe Impact's running a storyline, but this is like a, a tribute slash memorial show slash retirement show is not the place to do storylines. It is the place to give us some badass wrestlings. Jacob Fatu is not an Impact wrestler. We're getting a, we're getting a non-Impact wrestler who is a really good wrestler, a against your champion in a cool match at the fi- like at a historic show that a, a bunch of people tuned into mm-hmm. and you decide to run a lame ass no contest finish for no reason that can't even pay off in story yeah it just didn't make a lot of sense the only thing i was trying to justify with it is love it or hate it cardone is a big name on the indies and this was supposed to be like that type of all in feel 
that all the independent promotions were working together and doing something. So maybe that was kind of the booking idea of, oh, well, he's one of the hottest stars on the Indies. Let's bring him in for something. Next. I, yeah. 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 Next up, we had a tag team competition. The Briscoes, Jay and Mark, defeated the Von Erics, Marshall and Ross via pinfall, seven minutes and 45 seconds. Froggy Bow finish from Mark Briscoe. I will tell you what, I enjoyed this match, and my question to you is not only, once again, it's going to be a double one, how'd you like the match, but also the Von Erics. I understand there could be a little more gimmick work. However, I don't know. They're two strapping, good-looking young men. I'm wondering why they're not signed somewhere. Match was great. I really enjoyed it. I kind of went the way I thought it was going to go, though. But I agree with you. I, it's puzzling that they're not signed to a bigger promotion because they did solid work. I mean, granted, they're not the flashiest team. Kind of reminded me of the smoking guns with the outfits. Yeah. But that's something that can obviously get fixed if you go to the right place. I agree. I agree. Next up, we had brought to you by Impact Wrestling for their second brought to you by match. A three-way match for the Impact Wrestling Knockouts Championship. Your champion, Jordan Grace, taking on former champion, the Virtuosa, Deanna Prazzo, and, of course, Rachel Ellerling, uh, the daughter of the legendary Paul Ellerling. This match got nine minutes and five seconds at the end of the day, and still your Impact Wrestling Knockouts champion, Jordan Grace. However, Jordan Grace, early in this match, very early in this match, Almost caused a great catastrophe because she rolled over Rachel Ellerling's ankle. Yeah. And got to give guts to Rachel all day because she actually completed that. She rolled to the outside for a minute, got back in there, and completed this match. And you could tell it was bothering her the whole time, but she made it through the match and it looked good. I thought it was a solid match. Very good. I thought it was actually very good. And it was even better knowing that Rachel was injured. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, great, great performance by Ellering, obviously coming back from that injury because that looked nasty when it happened. Like we saw the replay, like eesh. But this was a solid match, and obviously with all three involved, you knew they were going to put on something memorable, and they definitely did. Agreed, agreed. And now it is time for the main uh, event of the evening. The reason that most people tuned in. We're in a tag team match, billed as Ric Flair's last match, by the way. Uh, it, we came in so quickly. They don't even have the time listed. They didn't even have the winner listed on the report I'm looking at. But we, of course, watched it, so I can't give you the time. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, Ric Flair and Andrade Al Idolo defeated the team of Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett in the main event of the evening. It had to have gone more than 20 minutes. Yeah, it went, I think about 30 and we got we we're gonna have to break some of these things down in this match. Yeah. First of all, I got to give a shout out. Jeff Jarrett getting the heat. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! If somebody was gonna kill a wrestler in the ring, <laughs> it would have been Jeff Jarrett. On his way to the ring, he grabbed somebody's beer and threw it all over them. He faced Moose Conrad Thompson. He was going after the crowd was trying to get to him. Atlas Security was having to push the crowd back yeah. because Jeff Jarrett, who was already being booed, went to that next level of getting the heat. He was heat-seeking, and it was great. It's what he needed to do because, obviously, with this match, they needed to add something to it. Jarrett played perfectly into this. I gotta say the the team of Jarrett and Jay Lethal, great job. Mm -hmm. Andrade El Idolo, great job. He understood his role. His role was, hey, Rick's not gonna be able to do everything. Mm -hmm. And he understood that and he definitely took it out out there. Yep. However, Ric Flair. 
It pains me to say this. We knew this was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Everybody at home knew this was a bad idea. We knew it was a train wreck waiting to happen. But it was happening. I don't think that any of us thought it was going to be as bad as it actually was. And what I mean by that is the match itself was decent because the other three members of the match made up for it. They carried it. Rick had problems walking to the ring. Mm -hmm. Rick had problems getting into the ring. Rick had problems. He couldn't even do the strut. No. He looked absolutely atrocious. At his age, he should never have been in this match at all. He got some color. Mm -hmm. Don't know how smart that was, but he got some color. And let's go to the end of the match. And I said it was the saddest thing I've seen. Not because I was like, oh, man, the end of an era, I'm crying. No, 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 no. I, for a minute, thought Ric Flair was dead. I agree with you. Going into the finish of this match, Rick, uh, going into the finish of this match, he, he was barely getting up off the, the canvas. Jay Lethal had picked him up. Idolo had moved him out of the way. He get, uh, J- Lethal gets alkaboomed, alkabonged, if you will, by Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Referee's down. Uh, Idolo knocks down Jarrett. Gets tossed brass knucks from Conrad from the first row. Right. And instead of doing it himself, he goes over it because obviously the plan was for Rick to win. He goes over to Ric Flair and tries to just put the knucks on him and, hey, get up, get up, let's go. Ric Flair is, like, lost. He's yeah. looking – he looked like he was having a stroke or something. No, absolutely right. Andrade finally gets him to his feet, puts the knucks on him. Flair manages to throw the punch and lock in a weak uh, figure four. Referee, new referee comes to the ring. Counts the three count. By the way, Flair's shoulders were also down. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not the deal. Right. The deal was that they were going to win. But Flair's shoulders were down. And then we had this uncomfortable, like, three to five minute thing where Flair, confetti's falling, and Flair's laying in the ring, and, and Andrade's holding him. He's motionless. And he's motionless, and he's looking and staring into space. And you said it best. What did it look like? It looked like the, he had a death face. Like, his face was not moving. There was no sign of, in my opinion, breathing. He was just there where, like, it almost looked like the eyes were starting to roll in the head. The jaw was open, and he was just not moving. And I legit thought, like, oh, my God, he just died. I thought, well, I, I said it before the match started. I said, we could possibly see a Masawa in this match. Uh-huh. And then it almost happened. And I saw somebody tweet, and they tweeted it as a joke, but it, it was serious. Like, they tweeted that look that he had, and they said, just go into the light, Rick. Yeah. Because it looked like he was, like, when people talk about death, and I saw the light. It looked like he was looking past everything else, like, to seeing something that none of us could see. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they did get him up. He got out of the ring. He went over and talked to his family, talked to Taker. Taker was the only person that looked overly concerned about him. Yes. Like, he grabbed a hold of him and kind of was like, you could see he was kind of like, are you okay? Like, you don't look good, man. Yeah. And then Mick Foley and Bret Hart were there. And and then uh, we heard on the broadcast, thanks to Poyo Del Mar pointing it out, and we replayed it, you could hear the the director going, get the talent out there. Get the talent out there to surround Rick. Yeah. Because originally he was supposed to be in the ring for an interview. They sent Shivani to the ring. It was like it was like watching the UFC when somebody gets fucking knocked out and they still send somebody to the ring. Yeah. And you're uh, the octagon, sorry, in that case, the ring here, to do an interview. It's like, no, 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 no. So they get the little interview outside. You can barely understand him. He's incoherent. The, the locker room is standing behind him. Yeah. And it was just like, it was like, what the fuck are we watching? And that was what I tweeted. This is possibly the saddest thing I've ever seen. And it it's not because I wanted it to be. 
I was hoping that we were going to – I was hoping beyond hope. I knew it was going to not be great, mm. the match itself, but I was hoping beyond hope that it wouldn't be a fucking train wreck either. And it wasn't necessarily a train wreck in the sense of that. It was just sad. Not sad like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm seeing one of the greatest of all time leave. It wasn't like when uh, – well, one of his many retires. Remember the Terry Funk retirement in the yeah, 90s in the when 90s, they had the big show where WWF, WCW, and ECW showed up? It was that one night all the companies got yep, along, remember? Yep. Bret Hart defended the WWF World Championship against Terry Funk in his last match. Obviously, it wasn't his last match. Right, right. But remember how like at the end of that, when you watch that match, you could see elation. It was featured on, um, uh, what do you call it, Beyond the Mats. Right. You could see elation in the crowd. The crowd was excited. Terry got on the mic, and even though he was tired, he gave the Terry Funk speech where he said that I'm the luckiest man in the world because I've gotten to entertain you fine fans for 50 years. It wasn't that long. It was like 40, but whatever. Yeah, right. But the point is. The point of the matter was still, like, you had this good moment. And even though we would know that Terry Funk would come back, because I am pretty sure Ric Flair may not have may have another match unless he's no longer with us. I, I just don't see Flair ever really, truly going away forever. The thing about and this. And I'm scared, because I'm not going to support it next time. I don't even care how good the undercard is, because no. this, this was scary. It was sad and scary. What's very scary is for people our age that grew up when Ric Flair was the man. Ric Flair was Ric Flair. It was Ric Flair 1A and 1B Hulk Hogan. Yep. Like, that's the time period that we watched wrestling. And then even so to the time that he had the end match with Shawn Michaels. Like, you knew that, okay, the time was gone, but he still was performing at a somewhat level. And let's be honest, that was the picture perfect end of the career. Yeah. That should have been the final match. That should have been like it's like it's almost like he couldn't help himself like Michael Jordan cuz that Michael Jordan in the finals against the Jazz mm-hmm. where it wasn't a shove off by the way. If you look at the video now he he smacks his thigh. So yeah. he, he, you can't push somebody with their thigh. So Brian Russell's a liar. But anyways, he hits the picture perfect shot, game winning shot, boom, that should have been it and then he came back to the Wizards. I feel like that's what Ric Flair's done. Yeah, no, this is the Wizards run. And the problem is there is no reason he should have been in that ring tonight. None. I don't care how you want to try spinning this. My opinion, no. This was a bad idea, and unfortunately, this is going to be the last image for a lot of people of Rick, which is not fair. It was very sad. It's, yeah, it was, it was sad because— he, he, he was hunched. He couldn't move well. No, he couldn't even get his knee pads on right. No. like was... he, he, just, he just looked like a mess walking in. And for being his age, in his 70s, like, I'm sorry, you should not be doing this at this level. A lot of things have gone wrong, but he couldn't even pick up the brass knuckles when they were thrown in. That's how messed up he was. So let alone, like, we all thought he was having a stroke. I legit sat there and I'm like, oh, my God, he's dying in the ring. And I'm not saying this for sensationalism. I'm saying this as a concerned person watching going, who the fuck allowed this? And why are we? I understand the show must go on, but when you're seeing him lie motionless. In Andrade's arms, it's like, oh, my God, this really happened. And I'm not wishing death on him by any stretch of the means. I hope he get, lives many, many more years. But after seeing him in the ring tonight, I'm really questioning who signs off on this. And somebody's got to get him out of this idea of doing this again. I agree. I hope this never happens again. I hope this truly is the last match of Ric Flair. Uh, I, I like to remember Ric Flair as the legendary nature boy, Space Mountain, you know, the wheel, the wheel and dealing, kiss stealing, son of a gun. Mm. That's what I want to remember. Yeah. Not what I got, what I saw tonight. 
Yeah. And the kudos to the other three men to trying to make it as palatable as possible. With that being said, though, the event overall, I got to be honest, was very good. Like, I mean, I, 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 the undercard, I think a lot of the matches should have gotten a little more time to breathe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they had to shorten those matches uh, because there was a couple, as you noticed when I went through them, they were like six minutes or less. And I don't understand that. Um, although they were still good for what they were. I could have only imagined adding another four minutes or, or, or ten minutes and they would have been even better. So I, I don't understand that portion of it. So I got a judgment there. Uh, my biggest judgment, though. And I got to say it, and you guys can call me out for whatever because you heard me in the first segment talking about all elite wrestling, and I get it. I get it. You know, and it's not that I hate all elite wrestling, so get out of that out of your head. I'm just one of the very few people, and Ken is one of the very few people because we call it right down the middle, as we always say, mm-hmm. that actually calls them on their shit. This, pro, this, this, this event was not sponsored in any way by all elite wrestling. That we know of. Uh, I'm, I'm positive it wasn't. Okay. I'm positive it wasn't. I'll just say the allegedly, but yes. Uh, I, I, the uh, reason I'll tell you is Tony Khan wasn't there, mm-hmm. and there was too many WWE people around for that to be a thing because there was pictures of Rey Mysterio in the back. Obviously, Undertaker was in the back, and he came out for the main event. Uh, you know, There was way too many WWE people around for Vince to be like, oh, we're going to have a co-promoted by AEW show because it wasn't. Conrad has nothing to do with them. So I promise you wasn't. Did AEW allow them to use some talent? Absolutely. Mm. And I have no problems with that. The problem is Tony Schiavone was on the call tonight. And every single person that he could, he talked about AEW. Right. Oh, there's Ray Phoenix. He's part of the Lucha Bros with Penta Oscura in, in AEW. I get to see him in AEW all the time. He's on Dynamite all the time. Mind you, he was there representing AAA. Oh yeah, I mean then and then then same with Brian Pillman, same with Brock Anderson. Oh yeah, he's from AEW. When uh, when they were talking originally about the main event before the the show started, he was like, "Oh, we got uh, we got Jay Lethal and Andrade El Idolo representing AEW and Jeff Jarrett in the match as well." And it's like, well, then just say it. Say he's representing WWE. Say that he's the executive vice president of live shows for World Wrestling Entertainment. Say he's an executive for World Wrestling Entertainment. If you're keeping it fair, I will give him credit. During the main event, he mentioned in passing, he says, well, yeah, Jeff Jarrett used to work for WWE. Actually, he still works for WWE. But before that, he just got done telling us how Jay Le- how you could see Jay Lethal versus Orange Cassidy on AEW Dynamite this Wednesday. So it was an advertisement for AEW on a non-AEW show that was meant to be around Ric Flair. And that is a problem. Well, that's why I said, like, I, and I know that you're, you're probably right about that, that they had nothing to do with it. But just how it was coming across to me, that's why I say the allegedly, you know, they had something to do with this. Because it just kept coming up by the announce team. And I'm like... And this well, is not the announce team, just Shivani. Well, well, just Shivani, but still, he kept promoting AEW through the whole thing. That's why I'm kind of sitting there going, like, do did they have something to do with this that we don't know about? Mind you, he did not promote them to Jonathan Gresham. Right. He that, did say he was the former ROH world champion. That's yep, all but he that said. That was it. So that's why I said, like, it, it just kind of seemed too fishy to me. So, in my opinion, that's why I said, like, I wouldn't doubt if it comes out later that they had something to do with it. Well, I don't think it is, but I think if we're on the scrum, the next scrum, well, you'll be on the next scrum. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that if uh, they did not give enough thank you to AEW, we'll hear Tony Khan be like, you know, another thing was that uh, I, I let a lot of talent go over, and I funded a lot of stuff that went on in that Ric Flair's last match, and they didn't give me my due. The same shit he did for the NWA Women's yep, Pay-Per-View. that's what I exactly was thinking I of. provided them with all the talent. No, you didn't. You sent over four people. Mm-hmm. And, and none of them were your stars. Right. So that's <laughs> and, why I say, like, I wouldn't and doubt you can't that. count Thunder Rosa because at the time, Thunder Rosa was still with NWA. Correct. 
That's what I said. Like, I don't doubt that this comes out that he had something to do with it. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, for the amount of times that Tony Schiavone was putting over AEW, and this was, like, over the top, in my opinion. That's why I said, like, they had to have something to do with this, like some kind of deal. Well, the only reason I'm saying that I thought it was bad was because it was egregious. Oh, it was. It was no. super egregious to the point that we all joked about making it a drinking game and that we would have all been shit-faced by the first hour. Uh, ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> no. Think about that. When we're all going, hey, we would have been shit-faced in the first hour. Dude, he was bringing it up for people who have made appearances on fucking Dark. Yes. He made a reference to fucking uh, Ricky Shane Page, RSP, being an AEW before. And all, Rick, all RSP has done is some dark matches, literally, right. on AEW Dark. So, like, there was a bunch of talent there. There's young talent. Oh, yeah, I got to see him come through uh, when uh, he worked at AEW. He didn't ever say what thing, but you knew as a wrestling person, I know where he wrestled. Mm-hmm. So Because I turned into dark for those matches. I like RSP. Right. So I just thought it was funny for him and a few others. Oh, yeah, I've gotten to see them work on AEW television. He kept saying shit like that. It's just like, but he didn't do that for everybody. No, he It just... wasn't like, oh, I got to see that person wrestle on NJPW. I got to see this person wrestle. You know, remember, he was the commentator for MLW. Mm-hmm. Tony Schiavone, when he came back to wrestling, was commentating for MLW originally. Right. So the fact of the matter is, during the MLW match, he watched Davey Boy Smith Jr. wrestle in MLW. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I, I'm not making this shit up. He watched the Van Erics wrestle there. He watched Jacob Fatu wrestle there. Never once brought that up. I know. But if it was AEW related, he brought it up. And that is where I saw the bias. And I'm like, you motherfucker. You're taking a... You're taking a this is the problem I have with it because this is, and I guess it's a deep seating thing. And I'm going to explain it in real quick to everybody. In wrestling, there's a lot of charity shows that go on, mm-hmm. and it's questionable how many, how much of that money from the charity show goes to charity. Okay, independent wrestling does it a lot. So usually, if you see a charity show, buyer beware. You might not be actually supporting a charity. I'm not trying to say that to be a dick. It's fucking real. Ken can attest to this. Mm-hmm. So in this case. I look at a memorial show or retirement show, uh, you know, at the same level. Not because it's a charity, but it's a special event where you put it to the side. And if, if, as we announced during the things, if a if a company sponsored a match and sent a match, which a lot of companies did, as you noticed, we we mentioned AAA, we we mentioned Impact Wrestling, we mentioned uh, MLW, we mentioned New Japan. A lot of these places sent. We mentioned GCW as part of the show. They had the big G, long live GCW fucking thing on the screen. Right. So like. When they sent people to be a part of this, that is why they, you know, they get a little plug because, hey, for this, for this event, we're sending this. And that's why the, the four-way was for a shot at the Progress Wrestling Championship. The AAA match was a AAA showcase match. Like, the MLW match was brought to you by MLW, and they, and they were cool. They made sure they told you that. But even in those miss, Tony Schiavone couldn't help himself to put over AEW who did not provide a match. There was no All Elite Wrestling Presents match. Right. And that is my problem. That would just be like putting over WWE on the show when there was no WWE match. And granted, he did say at the end, finally, one time that yeah, Jeff Jarrett worked for WWE. Very quickly. Very quickly. But they didn't mention that Mick Foley worked for WWE or Undertaker worked for WWE and still does, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't mention that Bret Hart has a Legends contract with them. And, and I'm fine. They don't have to. That, that's the, my point. They don't have you to don't announce ha- that. You don't have to say it. But the fact that you're going one-sided for mm-hmm. you know your company, like you call it down the middle if you're going to do it. It was like Tony Khan was in an earpiece going, hey. That's, that's what it came across to me. That's why I'm sitting there like, I go, I'm not doubting it comes out that how, way. How many times can you say AEW? Mm-hmm. I, I don't even think it was that. I swear to God, probably fucking he he messaged him because Tony Khan has Ric Flair on the band list for AEW. Right, allegedly. 
It's not alleged. It oh, was. Yeah. It was. It was. He made that very public after the the plane ride from hell shit came out. He joined Hulk Hogan on that list. Remember that yep. was the thing. He he said it in a fucking scrum. Forgot about that. Yeah. He's on the band mm. list. It's him and Hogan, pretty much. Mm. <laughs> and so I'm sure he didn't go. As a matter of fact, after that plane ride from hell, remember he disinvited Ric Flair to his birthday party. Oh. Ah. Yeah. So I don't know if him and Tony Tony Khan and Think about it, StarCast hasn't been part of AEW stuff lately. It was this weekend during SummerSlam. There's nothing planned for Chicago except for the Summit. I think you're right. You know, I haven't, yeah. I, I'll be honest, I have not been keeping track of that. I so. think that there's a burnt bridge there because Tony Khan wanted a virtue signal, as he does, said, fuck Ric Flair, he's banned, and then didn't go to Ric Flair's birthday party, disinvited him from his own birthday party. To He literally disinvited him to Tony Khan's birthday party. Tony Khan did. Hmm. Yeah, so I think there's a little bit of beef there. I so mean, that's why I said I don't think he has anything to do against it. But again, Shivani was there because probably Flair was like, hey, I want you to be there. I'm sure that, that Ric Flair, when he hears it back, that there, it was a fucking AEW commercial. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, including a commercial for Dynamite for the main event. Mm-hmm. When Jay Lethal comes out, we, we made the joke because all night long we're like, oh, we should make a shot game how many times he says AEW. But then we fucking, we, 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 at one point we go, literally, hey, if he mentions Dynamite on Wednesday – That'll be like the fucking cherry on the on the on the cake. And this motherfucker all of a sudden, Jay Lethal's coming to the ring, and he's like, "Hey, if you like Jay Lethal, you can see him uh, take on Orange Cassidy this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite on TBS." And I went, "Oh, you motherfucker!" Yeah. So that I did get irked by that, but I think the undercard overall was it was a very good undercard. It wasn't a train wreck until the end. <laughs> no, the ending just ruined the night. But no, but prior to they had solid matches, so I can't take anything away from that. That, so the only things that really irked me about the whole night, the main event was what it was. It was very sad, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And then also, Tony Schiavone and his endless amounts of AEWs. Literally, if you want to get fucking smashed this week, order this event and just take a shot every time he says AEW. I bet you you're smashed. Yeah. Smashed. You'll be like me at the chair at the uh, live stream for the Cure Charity <laughs> event. You'll be smashed within an hour. You'll see how I felt. Ah, geez. Once again, though, have nothing against anything and good on AEW for getting plugs. But it just was weird to me because it's like, hey, if they wanted to sponsor a match, that's fine. Yeah. But they didn't sponsor a match. And you could argue, well, two of their guys were in the main event. Well, that's fine. If that's the case, then give the equal coverage because a WWE executive is in the main event as well. Mm-hmm. Jerry the King Lawler was in the back. Yeah. Yeah. The Undertaker's in the crowd. So there's a lot. You know, you're showing these guys. You're showing Mick Foley and the Undertaker. Where did those guys make their name? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that they showed that made their name in World Wrestling Entertainment. You notice they didn't talk much about Diamond Dallas Page either. Diamond Dallas Page did a run-in and hit a diamond cutter, which was pretty cool. Right. But they didn't spend a lot of time. And I, I even said, well, I can't believe that Tony Schiavone didn't say, you know, hey, he was in AEW once. And you reminded me very quickly that, nah, they probably separated him because he's from he's, he's friends with Cody. Yeah, that was my guess. Was like, ah, yeah, yeah, I forgot. I forgot with the exception of Kenny Omega, everybody likes to forget Cody Rhodes was never in AEW, which is fucking that that that's that, a whole that's, different that's, ball that's disrespectful shit. Yeah. We're not going to get into that. Yeah. Once again, we gave kudos to Kenny Omega for at least being that guy. Yes. With that being said, though, uh, final grade score on Ric Flair's last match pay per view as a whole, Ken M. C plus. You know what? I'm going to go right with you. C plus. I think there was enough good matches, but there was a couple bad ones. 
And then there was a matches that didn't go as long as I would like them to go. I'm not taking away any points for the AEW stuff, honestly. Right, right. No, no, but there was some that I think this should have had more time. Uh, I did not. I did not like the ending of the Impact Wrestling match. I think they they fell flat once again. That was their match. I'm sure that they had their say. And like you said, for whatever reason they chose that, I just think it's the wrong place. It's the same way it kind of rubs me a bad way. But only that was in an in ring performance. So as it rubs me a bad way about the Shivani stuff. That wasn't in ring, so I'm like, ah, we'll forget about that. But the impact thing was in ring. The impact stuff was in ring, so I definitely was taken off for that. And then I, I don't. For me, I think they were just on such a time limit because they started the pre-show at what six o'clock, and then got done at six o five. Yes, it's six o five. Ah, classic time. Yeah, yeah. But I think that they were on a time schedule, and I think that it, it, maybe they felt they overbooked. That was the only thing with that. Well, I was going to say the main event hit the ring, or the introductions for the well, the video because the video was like a five minute video or so. Uh, started at what nine thirty? Because I was real shocked that it was so early. Yeah, no, it was, the actual event didn't start I th- till I seven. Think it, I think it was earlier. I think it was like nine fifteen. It might have been. Yeah, that, I mean that intro video was like a five. Eight right, right, oh, right. It was a really good video, by the way. That was one of the best produced videos I've seen from any. Like somebody should fucking take notes. Yeah, because it was like the story of the build up with Jay Lethal and and Flair and Flair telling him he'd never be a main eventer mm. and then the whole thing with uh, giving Jeff Jarrett and his wife two tickets to the front row to see his final match and that's how the build up was. You know, like his. You know, because you had Karen uh, Jarrett going. You know, nobody disrespects my husband like that. And it was actually real, like when you see it in its entirety, you're like, okay, the storyline was cool. Yeah. Like I didn't get to see it. I only saw that beat down in the parking lot. But when I saw the whole thing on this video, I went, oh, well, actually, that storyline was actually really good. Yeah. Like they did a really good job of setting up this match because when we're like, why Jarrett? Why uh, Lethal? They did a good job. So it took me to the show to see this package, but I, I thought it was very good. Agreed. But yeah, C plus. I think I, I agree with you. C plus. Yeah. It was a you know, I'm not mad about watching the show. No. The main event bummed me out. Yeah, I'm mad about the main event, but you know what? It is what it is. And we knew about this going into it, but it's just like he looks so bad. It's like somebody should have just stopped the match and done, done a quick-ass roll-up. That's kind of my vibe with that. I'm agreeing with you 100% there. Uh, with that being said, though, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's edition of 607TWS. Ken M, before we go any further, tell the folks how to find you in the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right on the front page. Check out Parley Points. New blogs count anywhere is up right now. So if you want more pro wrestling content, definitely check it out. Talking AEW, GCW, MLW, and a couple other feds this week. Uh, T Public Store, always a great time to go by. Classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, The Directory, all that, and so much more. If it's anything ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. If you want to find the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. 3FNPodcast.com. It's your one-stop shop. We're going to be still updating the website, but all the links are correct. I went on there. All the social media links are up and updated. All the links to all of the uh, uh, places you can find the podcast are updated. The T Public store is updated. It's got even. I got a brand new title for the, the, the finally. Yes. I got it out there. So that is all updated. It's ready to go. So go buy some swag. Help buy it for the show. There's going to be some new stuff coming soon, including the brand new 3FN logo that will be revealed sometime in the near future. Also, on top of all of you can find out about the Patreon channel, patreon.com slash 3FM podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content. It doesn't break the bank. You get a lot of stuff. And guess what? You help support everything we do here from the 3FM podcast to 607TWS, the streaming, the podcasting, and the whole shebang just by signing up and helping us out there. And also while you're there, the twitch.tv slash 607 podcast link is there as well. Friends of the show, you get to the ODPH podcast 
Hey. Com from there as well. Musical, uh, the musical directory is also there, just like the odphpodcast.com. Shout out to Second Suitor, who you're going to hear in a minute with One Winged Angel as we shut it down every time with them. But there's other bands there to check out as well. And then, of course, the local sponsors, Dragon Master Games, for all your MTG and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. And of course, Rex the Rods Auto Detailing, when you're ready to put the pride back into your ride. Check out Rex the Rods Auto Detailing here in the 607. They are local sponsors, which is awesome because they help us pay for some of the bills to keep all of this going so you don't have to hear shit commercials in the middle of the show. Yeah. So thank them. And if you are in the 607, you know, support them. Dragon Master Games, that's a website they will ship anywhere in the United States. So if you play Magic the Gathering or any kind of gaming, they have all that stuff. Hit their website up, buy some stuff from them and support them. Always top shelf people there. So you definitely want to go support DMG. All right. With that being said, though, uh, next week's program, man, I'm sure we're going to be talking about GCW Homecoming. We'll be talking about any news that pops up in between now and then. We'll probably be telling, talking about that quake at the lake from AEW and so much more. So don't worry. Next week, we'll be coming to you wherever you get your great podcast for 607 TWS. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later wrestling fans! Top ropes, one, two.